Welcome back, dear listeners, to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod, and with me, not in person, like last week with MVD because of the uh, current COVID situation in Victoria, but with me on the other side of the screen is Eli Duxon. Eli, great to have you back. Your first episode in a couple of weeks. How are you? Good to have you back on. Yeah, I'm a little bit indifferent with the, the lockdown extension, but um, yeah, with the footy, everything going on in the footy world at the moment, um, it's it's nice to keep getting some refreshing news in. Um, not not ref- good refreshing, but um, certainly brand new type refreshing news. So no, it's good to be back on the potty. You know, we will get onto those COVID changes and we will talk about what it means for teams and, and, and the league as a whole and parts of it is all super complicated at the moment. And I don't envy league officials for having to figure this out. And I don't envy the players for being in the positions that they are in, nor do I envy their family um, members either. But basically, dear listener, in case you don't know, this podcast is split into three sections. Section one will review the round that's just been, as will section two. Section one um, will each name our top two highlights and top two lowlights of round 18. Top, uh, yeah, so top two. Then in section two, we will discuss the four major talking points that come out of the last few days of footy. Before section three, we will review round 19 and the fixture has already changed a fair bit who knows if this is going to be the actual fixture come when we actually start playing footy this weekend let's hope so but first let's start off with section one Eli what were your top two highlights of round 18 first one was just Sammy Walsh he's just the jet and I think we we already knew that but bloody hell he put in another massive performance um Give him a 10-year contract. Give him whatever he wants, to be honest with you. He's just an absolute star. And um, he p- certainly helped uh, them get it over the line against Collingwood, much like Paddy Cripps did against my Lions a few seasons ago. But, um, yeah, he's given the Blues fans a lot of hope. And um, I don't think this is even a big call, but he could very <laughs> – he's still bloody young and he could still very well be the best player. Um, the game has seen for a long time when his career is all said and done, um, which I'm hoping we're going to get a lot more great years out of him. Um, and my other highlight was Sydney, Sydney's performance. Um, their resilience. I know GWS went through the same thing, losing players not long at all before the bounce and uh, play uh, and officials as well. But um, to be behind in that game and show a lot of grit to come back. Um, I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And uh, I think Johnny Longmire's reaction after the game, his emotion, you don't often see that from him. I, I can't say I've seen him uh, like that before. Um, so that was fantastic to see. And it just goes to show how much it means to that, that win meant to that group. And I think their, um, certainly their play all season has meant to the, meant to the group, which I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit later. Um, but there was a lot of highlights coming out of this out of this round the last few weeks. Have, there's certainly been a lot of surprises. So um yeah, there's been, been a bit to wrap your head around, but what were yours, Casper? Two players. Number one, now as an Essendon supporter, I've got to mention him, Jake Stringer. Has had his issues, has had his issues with, uh, with uh, durability, with injuries, and, um, and consistency over the years, but this is probably his best season. He's, he's won us two games, basically, so far off his own boot. And you can argue that he helped 
propel us to that massive win against St Kilda all the way back in round three, which feels like a lifetime ago, considering everything that's happened since. Um, and then to hear that he has signed on for a further three years, I'm happy with three years. I was skeptical about four, kept hearing that he wanted to sign a four-year deal and the Bombers wanted to sign him for a three-year deal. So the fact we got him for a third three-year deal is great. I think four years for someone um, who gets injuries as frequently as he does, it's a little bit risky. I'm, I'm good with three years, you know? Let's get to the end of three years and let's see where he is in terms of his career and whatnot. Second player... When I saw that Josh Kennedy for the Eagles was out of the game against the Crows, I thought they were in a world of hurt, West Coast. I really thought they were in a spot of bother, um, especially with Taylor Walker coming back in for the Crows. And not that Taylor Walker played bad. It was great to see him back out there. But up stepped a, uh, a young, well, not so young, but a smaller West Coast forward a surprise packet in Jamie Cripps five goals uh this proves how deep the west coast forward line is when you can have Kennedy out and you can still win by 42 points because somebody else popped up and kicked five goals and it wasn't Jack Darling and it wasn't Oscar Allen it's Jamie Cripps I mean imagine saying that before the game started <laughs> he's going to kick five goals definitely would not have seen that coming on to uh, the top two lowlights. Now, Eli, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, I'll, um, what were your top two lowlights? There were a lot of bad performances in round 18, so I'm curious to see who you picked. Now, I know you were saying it without saying it, um, but I'll start off with my Lions. Um, second week in a row, after the St. Kilda game, I was obviously very disappointed with the performance, but I thought, you know what, that's one game. Um, it could be good for us. We'll bounce back, and I feel sorry for the Tigers next week. Um, and the first half, I'm like, okay, no, we're playing some good footy, but so are Richmond. They've been accurate. Um, but then that second half, we just got blown away. It was an insipid performance. Um, yeah, it, it just it just looked like exactly the same effort that we dished up against St Kilda last week, which I could understand losing Hippold in the game. You know, it's hard to adjust losing one of your key forwards. Um, so I gave I gave the boys a bit of leeway there. Um, but the second half, and Richmond came out, full credit to Richmond and St Kilda for that matter too. They played fantastic, but um, our forward 50 delivery was just terrible. Um, well, terrible around the contest. Uh, again, Richmond were fantastic. They, they certainly showed uh, glimpses of their previous four seasons, which is a little bit scary. Um but, yeah, it was just very disappointing to watch. And my other low light was Frio. Um, the first primetime slot they've had for a very long time um, and they couldn't quite deliver at Optus. Um, and when I say primetime slot, I mean the genuine first game of the week or the Saturday night game, the big game. Um, and I was listening to the Old Bull Young Buck podcast during the week with David Mundy and Griffin Logue. And I think that was Griffin Logue's first Thursday or Friday night game um, that he's played in. Um, and, yeah, they couldn't quite get it done. Um, doesn't mean they should go back to the last game on a Sunday, even though this week they are the third last game on the Sunday. But, um, yeah, Geelong were class, and I think uh, Freire will be disappointed because um, they were talking about how much they look forward to the Starlight game and how much it means to them and some of their players who were quite involved. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure they'll be disappointed with the with the uh, performance they dished up. But um, speaking of David Mundy as well, congrats are in order because 
big 350 this week and he's absolutely dominating on minimal game time. He's I've always loved watching him. Much like Jamie Cripps, obviously he's a lot better, but a criminally underrated player from out west, um, which us in Melbourne don't quite don't quite get to see a lot of or hear a lot of, I should say. Um, but yeah, those two performances for mine were the more underwhelming ones. But I'm sure you might um, you might be able to unearth another one, or you might just absolutely lay into my lines. Uh, don't worry, your lines will get a, a, a break from me this week. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> awesome. Before before we get onto my top two lowlights, David Mundy, I strongly believe that if he played for a big Melbourne club, he would be regarded as one of the best players this century, without a shadow of yeah. doubt. He'd be held in the same stead as Sean Bergland as well. The, I know 50 games are still a long way. A big difference at that point in their careers, but three fifty is a massive achievement. You're not going to see that too often, are you? No, absolutely not. I remember. Um, remember, I can't remember who told me this. So, ah, uh, bad journalist. I know. I haven't. I haven't double checked. <laughs> researched this. Okay, I know. I understand that any potential future, uh, future employees listening to this, skip ahead ten seconds. Right? Don't listen to the next bit. But somebody I heard from somewhere in the ether that the average AFL player, VFL slash AFL player's career over the course of like from 1897 until like, I think 2016, when they told me this, the average career is four games. So to get to 350 is absolutely incredible. Uh, Full credit to David Mundy. Unfortunately, onto my lowlights. I was fully prepared to put Carlton at number one on this list because I was listening to the start of that game and I was thinking, wow, one of your rest in peace, Serge Silvani, but one of your uh, legends, a, a real father, well, obviously father figure for um, for Stephen and Jack as well. Condolences go out to the Silvani family, but obviously a, a, a household name at Carlton for decades, superstar player for them, super important player in their history. And that start was awful. It was terrible. Just listening to it, it sounded like they were lethargic. You know, almost reminded me of when Melbourne played you guys round one 2012. And that was the first game after Jim Stein's rest in peace passed away. And you guys won by seven goals. You know, it was shaping up to be like that. Um, But then Collingwood did what Collingwood did. And so instead of putting Carlton at number one, I have Collingwood at number one. Because not only did they in the last quarter concede six goals to Zip, but they did that against their arch rival. They had an opportunity to stamp Carlton's finals chances out once and for all. Not only that, but they had Carlton wrapped around their little finger. It was right there, right at the tip of their tongue, just right in front of them, and they dropped it. They absolutely blew it. And that was a disgusting last quarter and a half from Collingwood. I was going to mention Fremantle, but instead I'll mention another team uh, instead, St Kilda. What a golden opportunity. At least Carlson, they took their chances eventually. But yikes, the field kicking from St Kilda. And good players too paid a lot of good money to to have field kicking like that, goal kicking like that, and Port missed a lot of opportunities too. But that was a game that the Saints should have won, leading comfortably early in the second quarter when you're playing at home, even without a crowd, 
should be enough. And this year, I honestly think that it won't be the massive thumpings that St Kilda's got. It won't be the 111-point loss of the Dogs. It won't be the 75-point loss of the Bombers. It won't be those losses that cost St Kilda a spot in the finals. It'll be losses like this. It'll be like the loss against Adelaide, the loss against Sydney, and now the loss against Port. The games that they could have won were in a winning position and they just didn't take the opportunity to. And honestly, that's the story of their season and the reason why I think they're the most disappointing team so far of 2021. Now, on to our uh, four main talking points to come out of the last few days of footy. On to section two. Now, uh, Eli, I want to ask you this. After Fremantle played a quote-unquote home game against Carlton at the MCG a few weeks ago, now with the Crows and Port to host two Melbourne-based clubs in Melbourne, I want to ask you, uh, can the fixture, in terms of the uh, changes, in terms of where the teams play their home games when their state's going to lock down, can the fixture be fairer to those teams that lose that home ground advantage? It certainly can, but the problem is with the climate we have now, not just in Victoria, which we're, which we're used to for last year, of course, but um, things are so precarious everywhere now. Um, South Australian recently went into lockdown too. Um, so it's just so hard for the AFL to try and balance these things. Um, early in the year, it was, it was okay because Brisbane went into lockdown. So we lost the home game to Collingwood, which we, we were supposed to regain in a couple of rounds' time, which would make sense. It, it makes sense. It was an easy fix because we versed them twice. It was just fortunate. And I think someone else had the same um, uh, experience as well. But um, I think at this stage, the AFL should just be striving to ensure that um, every team plays a similar amount of games in their home state or home games um, to each other uh, to the best of their ability, whether um, that means everyone's got to get reductions um, and some Victorian teams have to stay into state for a couple of weeks in a row, um, then so be it. I think that's probably the best way they can do it. Um, but yeah, just so precarious right now. And um, I remember now big wrap up episode last season, I praised Travis Alden, the fixture team for doing a great job. Um, and now they have, yeah, back to the same issue. They're going to have their work cut out for them for sure. Um, so I don't envy their position um, in any way. Um, but yeah, I think just trying to get this similar amount of games for each club in their home state is probably the best way we can do it at the moment. But um, yeah, we're too deep into the season to really um, try and balance it out. It's just going to be a matter of doing the best we can with what we've got and what's available, which is, um, yeah, not much at the moment. Yeah, look, you have a point, and it's just, it's constantly changing. Yeah. I mean, this time last week, South Australia wasn't looking like it was going to go into lockdown, and now it's going into lockdown, and that kind of throws the whole spanner in the works for the two South Australian teams, um, and one can only hope and pray that the situation in um, in every state uh, resolves itself by the time finals comes around. Uh, if you want to ask my opinion, and I'm not going to get political, even though I really want to, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I doubt the situation in New South Wales is going to improve itself to the point where the Swans um, will be able to play a home final at the SCG, unfortunately. Um, but 
I just I just wonder because from memory, okay, so from memory, WA had a little bit of a lockdown, and that's why Fremantle had to play Carlton. Um, that game could have been played in Geelong. That game could have been it could have been played at a neutral ground. Right. I understand the Tasmanian government didn't allow Fremantle in, so they can't play it in Tassie, obviously. But why, why not play in Geelong? Why not play in Ballarat? Play it in Geelong. You know, I think that was a massive missed opportunity. I think this weekend I'm a little bit more lenient on it because really what can you do um, unless you want to risk spreading COVID to regional Victoria, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, they can't have it in Ballarat and you can't have it in, in Geelong um yeah it's 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 tricky and i don't envy the afl at all so i think earlier in the season could they have done a better job yeah perhaps but i think now with the situation as it's unfolding they've actually done a really good job um the fact that we're still playing is kind of remarkable now uh one team that uh was negatively impacted by covid this past week were the sydney swans a uh, few players had to go into 14-day quarantine, impacted them against the Giants, and will impact them against Fremantle. Uh, however, they had a fantastic victory. Sydney won, Port won, Brisbane, unfortunately for you Lions, did not. So I want to ask you this question, Eli. Are the Swans and Port now... Uh, better chances are they at better odds of finishing in that top four than Brisbane are? Unfortunately, probably. Um, I have to say, and I still have a lot of faith um, that we can get our way back up, but in hindsight, dropping that Geelong game early in the season hurts because now we're a game out of that out of that four and um, that's not to put everything back on that one umpiring decision because we had many chances during that game and we had many chances in all the games we've lost afterwards. Um, where we've just sort of switched off for a period of time and um, that's where we've lost the game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, all the all three teams have a similar sort of run home. Um, there's one or two games that you could probably um, say could be a could be a loss, um, likely win, but um, possible loss. Um, the other, but then, then there's still, I think, at least three for each team that you almost chalk up as, as wins. So I think it's going to be a matter of taking every chance you can get and, um, you're getting up there, but the way Brisbane have been playing recently, we haven't dealt with um, Hipwood's loss well over the last couple of weeks. Um, albeit we have run into some pretty rampant um, opposition, so I'm hoping we bounce back against Gold Coast this week in the the ever fiery Q clash. Um, but Sydney's been playing fantastic um, early in the season. They come out hard, dropped off a little bit, um, but I think they're really starting to hit their stride now, which is. Um, which is absolutely brilliant to watch. And Port, I mean, this is going to keep on keeping on. They've, they've got a quality team, but um, yeah, I, I think by the time Brisbane get good again, um, get quite solid, we'll, we'll be around finals time. Hopefully we get Darcy Gardner back, but we've been without Cam Rayner all season. Jared Berry's playing his only sixth or seventh game this season. Um, lost Marcus Adams, who's probably playing some, was playing some of the best footy in his career. Um so, yeah, it has made it tough for us. Um, and we have been blessed with injuries in the past few seasons. Um, and, and I'm hoping it doesn't get better of us this season because it shouldn't. We've still got a quality side. Um, we've still got 22 players that run it every week that um, 
is worthy of a top four selection. So uh, Sydney's my pick for the top four, um, but I'm still hoping, I'm still quietly hoping um, that we get that second chance because um, it, makes, it makes you all the more comfortable come finals time. Yeah, no doubt about that. Looking uh, at the percentage, I reckon the one thing that you've got up your sleeve over the Swans is your percentage. Brisbane currently sitting at 124.9%, Sydney at 116.5%. Uh, that's probably like a seven to eight goal win. And the Swans rarely belt a team, like rarely, rarely belt a team. Um, and they have... That being said, though, looking at the draws, I think Port have a really tough, potentially tough three games coming up. I think Collingwood tomorrow night, that's going to be a lot closer than what a lot of people think. They think Collingwood's going to be really smarting after that Carlson loss. They're going to come out breathing fire in the pies, I reckon. Um, they play uh, the Giants the week after that. That game's going to be huge. Could potentially be the Giants' season on the line. Um, so you think the Giants will come out breathing fire. Round 23, they play the Bulldogs. So that's tough. They currently sit one win ahead of Brisbane, but with a lower percentage. I do think that Brisbane are going to win every single game from here on out, or at least they should. And if they do that, and if Port stumble a couple of times, then you won't have to worry about Port Adelaide. But that being said, Sydney... If Sydney can take advantage of the fact that they play teams below them on the ladder, they'll win their remaining matches. I reckon that round 20 game, the Bombers versus the Swans, wherever that game's going to be played, could very well decide whether or not Sydney finishes inside the top four. Because if Sydney win out from here, then I think they'll finish fourth, then Brisbane will finish fifth. If the Swans stumble once or twice, then Brisbane will finish fourth and most likely play in Melbourne that first week of the finals. Uh, it's going to be a, an exciting race for the top four. That's for sure. Whoever finishes it. Um, and whoever finishes it. Uh, some years, I remember like 2018, and I promise all Vaughn fans, this is not me just hating on you guys um, for saying this, but some years you get a team inside the top four that are lucky to be there. They've had, you know, a few really close wins during the year, a couple of bad losses, somehow make it into the top four and then get eliminated in the straight sets, a la Hawthorne 2018. But whoever finishes fourth this year, they'll 100% deserve it. Absolutely. Um, and full credit to Port, the fact that we're still having this conversation about them despite the injuries that they've had. Um, so... Full kudos to uh, to Port Adelaide, but it should be a fascinating, fascinating end of the uh, end of the season. There now on to point three. Geelong have routinely complained about the fact that they have to play home games at the MCG. I would argue that that's an advantage because you get more practice at the MCG where the grand final is normally played. But what do I know? And the AFL, the AFL's excuse is normally, well, it's because of the crowds, especially against big Victorian clubs. It's because of the crowds. Your stadium's too small. Like you can't, in a normal non-COVID effective season, you can't get like Geelong versus Richmond, for example, at GMHBA Stadium. Like that's not fair, right? That's not fair on the Tiger supporters at all. Um, however, there are set to be no crowds at the footy this weekend. 
and yet the game is still said to be played at the MCG. I'll go first if that's all right. Absolutely. Yes, the game should be played at GMHBA Stadium because I agree that you can't have in a non-COVID-affected season Richmond play down in Geelong, Essendon play down in Geelong, Hawthorne play down in Geelong, Collingwood play down in Geelong. That's not fair, right? If, if Geelong don't like it, build a bigger stadium or upgrade your stadium. However, with that being said, there's going to be no fans there, which means crowd size is not a problem. And it is a Geelong home game. And Richmond's home ground is the MCG. And so the fact that Geelong have to host Richmond at Richmond's home ground, despite the fact that there's going to be no crowd allowed, is ridiculous. I 100% think that the game should be played in Geelong. Although I do pose this to you, though, Eli. Uh, Sorry to throw all this at you. Um, I do want to ask your opinion on whether or not this is a COVID-safe move to try and restrict the potential for COVID to get into Geelong, considering that both clubs are going to be coming from interstate, Geelong from WA and Richmond from uh, from the Gold Coast? Yeah, it's hard to tell. Um, I'm a little on the fence with this one um, because I think absolutely it should be played at Geelong. Um, and I think if they follow all the measures that they have been um, every single AFL game this season uh, in terms of travel to and from, um, realistically, it's, it won't be a, that big of an ask for, for Richmond to travel down from Melbourne. It's it's an hour and a bit up the highway, um, down, the, down the highway. Um, it's not a massive trip for them on a bus if, if they really want to. Oh, they could even go from Tullamarine to Avalon Airport if they're that concerned about it. They'll be there in 15 minutes. But um, not, not that they would. That's um, that, that's ridiculous. But um, I think the biggest thing that the AFL has posed is the signage and sponsorship capabilities that they'll get from the MCG as well as the contractual obligation um, to play a certain amount of games there. Um, what that actually entails, I'm not exactly sure. Um, but I can sort of see where they're coming from there. And I absolutely agree with you. If, if crowd size isn't an issue, then what's the problem? Um, and I think that might be the only thing. But, um, yeah, Chris Scott's the, <laughs> the biggest one who constantly complains. And, I mean, fair enough, fair enough. Um, if it comes to finals time, then they should absolutely get that advantage because – um, it's not just about the crowd. It's literally about they get the advantage there. The, if they chalk up a, um, the, a top two spot, for example, or they have to have any home final, um, they know how to play that ground. That's their advantage. Um, and that certainly provides more of that home game feel. But, um, yeah, I can understand both sides. Um, but I wouldn't have thought the COVID concern would have been that much of an issue because it should have the contact should be minimal. Um, or at least you'd hope so. So, um, yeah, like I said, a little bit on the fence. Um, but come finals time, they should absolutely get that advantage. Now, let's actually talk about footy. <laughs> For once, during this section, we've talked about COVID and the changes and which games are being played where and whether or not they should be played there or elsewhere. Let's actually talk about football. And the one... I think, in my opinion, the biggest loser of the weekend is 100% GWS. And unlike the American reality show where they lose a bunch of weight and you're supposed to lose more weight than everyone else, in this instance, the biggest loser is absolutely a negative. 
they had the giant, they had the swans exactly where they want them, right? They were up by like six goals or something. It was, it was, it was I'm I'm a part of a Sydney Swans um, Facebook group, fan Facebook group, and everybody was complaining about it. They were saying, why is it always against this team that we struggle? What the hell is going on? What is this start? We don't deserve top four. We don't deserve to play finals. And somebody said, somebody said, geez, can Buddy play any worse? Seriously, I understand, you know, it doesn't have to kick 10 goals, but at least, you know, break even, at least kick accurately, you know. And then that second half happened. Sure enough. Led by that beautiful man known as Lance Buddy Franklin. And the Giants collapsed like a house of cards. You know that song Viva La Vida by Coldplay? Great song, by the way. Absolutely love Coldplay. Coldplay for life. If anybody doesn't like Coldplay, I will fist fight them. Uh, socially distanced fist fight but I will still fist fight them that song singing about you know kingdom being built on pillars of salt and pillars of sand exactly what happened to the giants their entire lead was built on a foundation of crumbs and they completely fell apart to be and it's 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 losses like this there's such it's such a weird year from GWS because on the one hand like they beat Melbourne at the MCG they beat the Swans at the SCG early in the year when the Swans were on fire. Four and zero start. They beat the Swans. They beat Collingwood at the MCG, which early in the year was granted more impressive than it is now. But I mean, still, like that's not a bad loss at all. They and they put Carlton to the sword. And Carlton haven't been put to the sword this year, with the exception of that game. And the Giants comfortably beat them. And yet. They lost to Hawthorne. They drew against North Melbourne. And now they gave up a six or seven goal. However, however big that lead was, they gave it up against us once. The question is, there's a long ramble, long introduction to the question, big build up. <laughs> the question is, is Leon Trouble, Leon, Leon Trouble? I don't know who Leon Trouble is. Is Leon Cameron in trouble? Jeez, this podcast has fallen apart. Is he actually in trouble at the end of this year, considering how bad the Giants have been of late in their losses? Uh, yes, question mark. Although I kind of think the Giants would be, it would be tough to let go of Leon Cameron. It would be really, really tough considering the outset he has, considering that he's trying to do this rebuild, considering the fact that the Giants have had I reckon right. everybody focuses on the Gold Coast because the Suns, rightfully so, have been awful for a long time. But the Giants have had a massive exodus of really good players over the last few years that I'm sure that if they kept that core group of players, they probably would have won a flag by now. And so the fact that he's had all these injuries and all these players leave and all these youngsters coming through, they've actually had a really good season, GWS. And I think it would be really rough on him to to uh, to let him go at the end of the season, but losses like that can't help, and he has to prove these last five games. Even if they don't make it, he has to prove that he's building a foundation of success here with the new players that are coming up. Uh, and it's going to be tough. It's I'm just looking at this. Wow, that is actually going to be a really tough draw. I'm just looking at it. They play the Bombers, the Power, the Cats. Currently scheduled for Geelong. 
and then the Tigers before finishing off with Carlton. So maybe you don't have to win many of those games, but at least compete. At least don't collapse like the um, like the approval rating for Game of Thrones during that last season. I don't know. I haven't looked at the approval rating, but I heard it was pretty terrible. Um, spoiler alert, by the way, for anyone listening to Game of Thrones. Oh, God, that's terrible. I realize mom and dad have started watching Game of Thrones again. Mom, dad, don't listen to that part of the podcast. I won't spoil it for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways, Eli, I've talked on like a drunken man for too long. How about you? <laughs> What's your opinion on this? Yeah, I mean, just like GWS's um, franchise, you started off really, really strong. Um, and then you got really good and then you just dropped away a little bit, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is um, by no means the drop away hasn't even been very far because like you said, they have been great this season considering um, the exodus as you, uh, as you called it. And if you put like a, if you put a GWS, a team in of GWS past players, um, that would be even, even of current players that that could probably beat a few teams. I've, I've, I've got no doubt about it. Um, and I'd actually be keen on putting together a, a best 22 of ex-WS players because even guys that get, get drafted there don't play a game and kick on somewhere else. It's fantastic. But anyway, to the question question at hand, um, yeah, it would be stiff from to be sort of shown the door this season. I thought if it was if they were to do it, they probably should have done it last season um, before he got offered the contract extension. Um, I would have thought they just needed a fresh voice in there because he has been at the helm for a while. Um, and that core group is not quite there. Um, they don't have the same team they had uh, five years ago and um, even three, uh, two years ago against um, against Richmond when they, when they played in the, well, when they rocked up to the grand final. I wouldn't say played, but they were there on grand final day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they have been really good considering they've been, been able to blood some young players. Tom Green is going to be an absolute star. He's, he could very well be um, a presence uh, for the Rising Star uh, Award. And I'm sure your boy, Nick Cox, might have something to say about that as well. Um, it should be an interesting race, by the way, that one. Um, but yeah, I think he will see out his contract. Um, and beyond that, I think they might just need to go in a different direction. Things have probably just gotten a little bit stale um, with him at the helm. But watching the um, Making Their Mark documentary, um, he did look well-respected within uh, the four walls, which... Again, we're not a part of it. We don't. We don't quite know. It's easy to judge from the outside because we don't know how the players respond uh, to a coach and how they sort of receive him. Um, so, from the outside, you would have thought, well, maybe he'll just see out his contract and they'll go from there. But um, he obviously earned the ex- earned the extension. He must have had a good vision, um, and yeah, he must be well respected in inside the club. So, um, credit to him. Um, I hope they can um, push push for the last last uh, couple of spots in finals because um, I've always had a soft spot for GWS because um, I love watching them play when Brisbane were terrible. Um, they were my shining light because I wasn't really supporting Brisbane come September time anyway. So, um, I mean, now I am, which is good. But, um, yeah, I think they might need a fresh voice in a couple of years' time, but... Um, at the moment, keep on keeping on. He's obviously got a vision for him. So uh, credit to him. And I sincerely hope that he goes well because he does deserve the, the success. He probably um, missed it with one of the greatest lists you'll have over a few-year period. Um, 
So yeah, I'm sure he'll be itching for some sort of success. And if he can steer them in the right path before he departs, um, then I hope I think that's probably going to be best for him. Yep, fair point. And you would think that even if he does leave the Giants, uh, he would probably land a, a head coaching gear gig um, somewhere else. Uh, I'm just wondering if you're Collingwood, maybe you start to give them a couple of phone calls. Just maybe, just maybe. Uh, speaking of Collingwood, let's get on to Section 3, previewing Round 19. Man, all of the remaining five rounds are going to be massive for deciding spots in the eight, as it normally is, but especially in a topsy-turvy season like this. And it starts off at an empty Marvel Stadium, Friday night football, Port Adelaide hosting Collingwood. Eli, I'll let you start off with this one. Can the Pies pull off the upset? I just realized it's a battle of the... Uh, prison stripes. Yeah. Who's going to win the battle of the prison stripes? Uh, I was going to say they um, they won't let them wear the prison bargains, nor will they let them play home games at the Adelaide Oval. But um, yeah, it's it should be a, it should be a ripping game, I reckon. Um, I mean, I hope so. At least I hope so. Um, I, I do think Port Adelaide will get up. Um, I'm going to go by a few goals, but I, I think Collingwood's going to turn up. I, I really hope they do. And um, they showed glimpses last week against Carlton, obviously that first half, and then um, their second half against the last quarter against Richmond the week before was bloody fantastic. So if they can bring at least those three quarters and hopefully another quarter of some half-decent performance, um, then, yeah, it should be a ripping contest. I hope that this is going to be a good game from a neutral supporter's perspective. <laughs> yep. Few Friday night games this year, few Thursday night games this year have been disappointing contests. This, uh, that being said, I think it will be a good game. Uh, Port should win this. They play quite well at Marvel Stadium, especially this year. Uh, only beat Hawthorne there quite comfortably a couple of weeks earlier. But as I said, Collingwood will come out breathing fire after that loss against Carlton. So because of that, I'm tipping Port to win by 16 points. Same stadium. Next afternoon, Carlton versus North Melbourne. Now, uh, so right, I'll go first with this one. I think it's going to be a very, very, very good game of football. North Melbourne has proven to be uh, one tenacious, uh, stubborn football team. And they've done a fantastic effort since about round nine, round ten of being in every single game and pinching a few surprise results. Imagine saying at the start of the year that North Melbourne, the firm favourites for the Wooden Spoons, would beat West Coast, one of the favourites for the flags, for the flag in Perth. Imagine that. You would have been called a liar. Um, uh, but to be honest with you, Marvel Stadium, um, Carlton, North Melbourne. Carlton by 23 points. I can easily see it being like a like Collingwood game, close for three and a bit quarters, and the Carlton kicking away a little bit late. How about you, Eli? Rematch of the 1999 Grand Final. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything. Yeah, um, North Melbourne have been fantastic, and um, they just haven't been able to sustain it for some of the games, especially against Essendon last week. They were they were really good, but um, Essendon were just better for, for more, uh, for longer. Um, I think what North Melbourne have going for them is Carlton also don't put in four whole quarters of great footy. Um, so I think much like uh, I think it could be a very exciting game to watch. Um, I still think Carlton will win, um, 
but yeah, North have been have shown flurries of some excellent and like I said, tenacious footy. So um, looking forward to that one. Um, yeah, Carlton by Carlton will kick away by and they win by five goals, but the result will certainly won't reflect the the game. This game I'm looking forward to. Houston versus Gold Coast. Eli, can your Lions arrest their form slump? Yeah, I mean, everyone in Queensland uh, sits on the couch with this one and um, they are absolutely, uh, the folks in Queensland are buzzing for this one. It's the biggest rivalry in sport, really. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It divides divides the states. It does, yeah. You can forget about the Broncos versus the Cowboys. You can forget <laughs> about the Maroons versus the Blues, especially this year. Yikes. It's all about the Suns versus the Lions. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, 310 on a Saturday hour, a bit of a niche slot. Uh, to make it more niche, it could have been on a Sunday. But um, yeah, I'm back, in, I'm back in my Lions to get up. Um, of course, um, bias aside, Jared Berry's back, which is good. I'm hoping he can get more than half half a game in this time without breaking down to another injury. Um, but, yeah, had an injury scare with Lockie Neal at training early in the week, and that's been all all cleared. Um, so, yeah, I'd be disappointed if we didn't show uh, another big effort this week. Um, well, if we didn't show a big effort this week, I should say, because the last couple of weeks we've been absent for, for much of the game. So um, I'm hoping we get up and, um, yeah, the winning margin hopefully is um, a little bit bigger in proportion to our effort and um, razzle-dazzle. Razzle-dazzle indeed. Now, these Q clashes used to be close. I remember the good old days of 2018 when we split one win apiece at Dane Zorp and <laughs> Brooke Miller. Oh, it's so engrossing. It continued after the siren. Who will shake whose hand? Oh, and I've, I've genuinely heard that. I've heard that they genuinely hate each other. Um, I have, I've, I've heard that from... Uh, uh, <laughs> um, the List Cloggers podcast, Dylan, uh, Dylan Buckley and Daniel Gorange. I've heard it on there that there's, there's been some uh, yeah, strong mail there. <laughs> and uh, hey, if you're listening to us, uh, whoever runs that podcast, is it actually, um, is it is it Bucks? He runs it? Uh, Dil, Dil, yeah, Dylan Buckley yeah, and uh, Daniel Gorange, yes, it's their, their podcast, yeah. Sponsor us, or at least we deserve a <laughs> shout out. We're giving you a shout out. Uh, no, go, go and check them out. They're great. Um, but since then, it's just been blowout win after blowout win after blowout win for the Lions, including two by over 90 points. So, yikes. Since that game earlier in the year, though, Brisbane have had a few massive injuries and Gold Coast have kind of got on a run a little bit the last three weeks. They've been super impressive. Unlucky not to beat the Dogs could have been a little bit more accurate the Suns but aside from that it was a very good game from them I do think Brisbane's going to win which I think will be their sixth straight Q clash victory which from memory would be the record for the number of Q clash wins in a row uh, for any team Um, so full kudos to Brisbane for that granted if they do win uh, but it'll be a lot closer it won't be 72 points hopefully not Um, I think it'll be like three goals it'll be a good game of football I hope it's 72 points um, and also full kudos to the city of Brisbane, Brisbane 2032. I am so pumped for that. I am so ready for it. And yeah, sure, it was a one horse race, but you still got to finish the race. And that's what Brisbane did. So full kudos to Brisbane and Queensland. It's going to be a fantastic show and I can't wait for it already. I just want to breeze through Tokyo, Paris 
and Los Angeles. I just want to get to Brisbane. Um, but anyways, this isn't an Olympic podcast. It's a footy podcast. On to West Coast versus St. Kilda at Optus Stadium. This could be the game of the round. But with St. Kilda, Rowan Marshall out, forced to go to quarantine, that's a massive out. That is a huge out. And with him out, I think the West Coast Ruck will absolutely dominate St. Kilda. And if they do do that, I think the Eagles midfield is too talented to be uh, to be um, bested by the Saints. That being said, it's going to be a good game of football because I think St. Kilda realize that their season rests on this game and other results going their way. That being said, I can't remember the last time the Eagles lost four games in Perth in a season, and it's not going to happen. The Eagles, uh, sorry, they've only lost two games. Well, still, I, haven't, I can't remember the last time they lost three games in Perth this year. It's not going to happen. No, they have lost three games. Point is, Eagles are going to win. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you um, on that one. Um, yeah, uh, Ron Marsh was a massive out. Nick Nash is going to have a field day um, on whoever's going to back up Ruck for him. Um, not sure who that is. Um, actually, should probably check, but oh yeah, Paul Hunter's back in. Nothing against Paul Hunter, um, but you're going up against Nick Nat. Bad luck. It's going to be a tough day for you. Um, yeah, West. <laughs> um, yeah, West Coast win this one. Um, I'm going to say they will kick away in the end and get a get a four or five goal victory. But um, I totally agree. It should be an absolutely absolutely exciting brand of footy. Um, following on from the uh, the Carlton North Melbourne game, um, should be a good afternoon of footy. I reckon if Saturday afternoon should be a good afternoon of football, Saturday night is going to be a ripper. And it starts off top of the table clash, Melbourne versus the Western Bulldogs at the MCG. The clash early in the year was a bit of a fizzer, but now the dogs are on fire. The Ds are kind of stumbling a little bit. Eli, who's going to win the battle of the Giants? Tough one. Tough one. Um, I, I think Liberback is a big in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Melbourne get James Harms back in. They, they both get a bit of grunt back on the inside. Um, so, yeah, for, the winner's going to be the footy fans, I think, for this one. I, I can't split them. Um, but if I had to pick, um, Oregon Doggies get up. Oregon Doggies get up. Yeah, I'm sort of quietly hoping as well. Um but, yeah, I think they'll just get up for mine. No no real reason, but, yeah, just a pick. <laughs> Interesting. I'm tipping Melbourne and a couple of reasons why. Melbourne against top eight teams this year have been flawless, 6-0. They've been fantastic against the best teams in the competition. And they beat the Dogs on the Dogs' home deck by, like, four or five goals. So now it's on Melbourne's home ground. No fans, but there was no fans in round 11 when these two teams clashed, and that wasn't a problem for Melbourne. I expect it will be a close Melbourne win. Demons by seven points. It could be the game of the year. It could be the game of the year. I, I think it will be slightly lower scoring than what the dogs are used to. Um, it will be a battle of one of the highest scoring teams versus one of the stingiest defences. Um, but that being said, the dogs... Defense is also quite stingy. So I think it would be low scoring, scrappy, 
Uh, I haven't looked at the weather, what the forecast is going to be, but it's going to be a close game. Melbourne by seven points. Across town at a stadium where Richmond don't like playing at, well, and their fans don't like traveling too. They don't have to worry about that because not only are no fans allowed, Richmond aren't even playing. It's Adelaide versus Hawthorne. Uh, this, I think, is the hardest game to pick because my gut is telling me that the Crows are going to rebound, but my gut has been wrong many times before. And the Hawks have had, a, honestly, an impressive six or seven game stretch and the Crows have fallen off a cliff. And the last time the Crows played here, they kicked two goals nine and their lowest score in their history. I'm not saying they'll do that again, but I'm just wondering if that plays with their head, that plays with their mindset a little bit. I think the Hawks are going to win by five points. It's going to be an absolute thriller. Eli is going to win Battle of the Birds. Yeah, I totally agree. It's going to be a tough game to split, but I think Hawthorne are going to be quite buoyed after drawing with Melbourne last week. That's, um, I suppose we haven't given them enough credit this this episode yet. They they were fantastic and drawing against the top side. And um, I think they get up for that reason. I think probably in terms of ability and performance, um, sorry, in terms of just ability and um, their team sheets, hard to split. Um, Tom Mitchell back to some of his best footy. Um, not back to it, but now his performance is aligning with um, Hawthorne's success, which is which is good and what we got used to for a, a period of time there. So, yeah, Hawthorne get up for mine. Um but yeah, I'm hoping for for another cracking game, and it, yeah, like you said, it should be a ripping Saturday of footy, um, at least some good standard of footy. Let's hope. But yeah, we'll certainly see. But um, on to Sunday, and we've got the tri-state thriller with Sydney versus Fremantle on the Gold Coast. Who would have thunk that Sydney versus Fremantle on the Gold Coast, a blockbuster at about 12.30 p.m. local time <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon. I reckon you'll be lucky to get 2,000 people to that game. But that's a nice point. Um, Eli, I'll, uh, I'll let you start off with this one. Sydney, uh, rich vein of form, but they're on a, I think, two or three game losing streak against the Dockers. So can they rebound and beat Fremantle for the first time since 2018? Well, I think Freeman will be looking to bounce back strongly after, yeah, like I said, they'll be, they would have been disappointed losing that that primetime game like they did. Um, so they've been reverted back to the Sunday. Um, but I've got, I still got Sydney winning this one uh, semi comfortably. Um, yeah, I, I think this one could be another low scoring game, um, partly because of Freeman will just you talk about stingy defenses, Freeman will their rebuild off of that and it's crazy to think that we're still calling it a rebuild because now they're competing for finals um which at the start of the season i wouldn't have thought that would, would have been the case so um anyway yeah i've got sydney winning this one hopefully buddy inches closer to that 1000 um and yeah i've got him being the difference there and sydney by three goals i'm tipping the swans by similar margin swans are by 22 points sydney don't crush opposition's and uh, Fremantle, just a tiny bit of a bogey team for the Swans at the moment. Um, yeah, it's tricky, especially at a neutral ground. You don't know what that's going to do um, when you get two teams from two different states playing um, at a venue where they've never played at before against each other. So it's going to be tr- it's going to be 
I think a good game of football, uh, close to three quarters, and the Swans blow it out in the last, I reckon. Grand final. Now, this is, I think, a testament to how far the Tigers have fallen. That's a bit rough after what they've just done. <laughs> but earlier in the year, that original first up uh, grand final rematch was obviously the obvious pick for Friday Night Football. And now the replay of that rematch is middle, mid Sunday afternoon. No fans allowed. Geelong hosting Richmond at the MCG. This could be the biggest winning margin of the weekend. Richmond, the walking wounded. Geelong crushed the Tigers early in the year when Richmond didn't have an injury curse like they have now. Geelong against top eight teams are fantastic. And they're not going to drop this game, Geelong. And I reckon, I reckon they're not going to say this, obviously, in publicly, but I reckon a couple of cats might be thinking, oh, a little bit of percentage here, potentially, potentially. I still think it's going to be a little bit tight for a bit, but the cats to win comfortably by five goals. That's the big call. That's a big call, especially after the back of Richmond's performance last week, but certainly fair. Um, they're going to be without Dusty for the first time. And, um I think since last season when he tr- took a couple weeks off, was that this season? I can't um, but but sorry, before don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm going uh, to your show. and say that <laughs> Tom Lynch, Tom Lynch, uh, not Tom Lynch, Jack Brewer was the sole reason why Richmond won last yep. week. Right? Great performance from Jack, but you can't expect him to kick six or seven goals every single weekend. So that for me is the reason why they don't have a repeat performance of last week. And Geelong's defense is working a lot better than uh, Brisbane's is and was. Um, they're a lot more structured and a lot more. They've got their they've got their best back six in at the moment. So uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I, I, I don't think it'll be a blowout. Uh, not that five goals is a blowout, but um, yeah, I've got Geelong winning this one by a couple of goals. But um, I'm hoping that's that's a good game. And of course, Dusty as well. Um, he cops a lot of criticism, and I'll be honest, I've I've criticised him a few times as well, but the bloke's a star and certainly hope that, um, send his best wishes, certainly hope it's nothing too serious with his kidney because um, we've seen some of uh, Tom Lonergan, for, for example, and what, what, what he's had to go through. So, um, I mean, he bounced back and had a pretty good career after that anyway, but, um, yeah, best wishes to him. But, yeah, I'm with you. Geelong win this one. On to the final game it's the bombers and the giants from metricon stadium again we got the tri the tri-state kind of thing going on here um on to this game sunday twice actually sunday evening sunday night game uh up until yesterday this game didn't have a home now it has a home eli uh can the bombers continue their good form from the first, uh, from the second half last week or Will the Giants momentarily, at least, save their season? I think Essendon really be trying to... I mean, obviously, this is a, a dumb comment, but they'll be really trying to get up um, because if they win this and other results go their way, they could possibly be a game ahead in the eight. Um, that will be banking on, of course, Richmond losing to Geelong, um, Fremantle losing to Sydney, 
and St Kilda losing to West Coast, which is all entirely all entirely possible. And the way we've tipped certainly um, leans that way as well. So um, big repercussions there. But if GWS win, they could, of course, if the results go that way too, they could be in the eight themselves, or at least be um, keep them within the hunt. Um, having that drawn game and giving them a couple extra points. Uh, I still think Essendon will win. Um, they're just in a lot better form and playing some great footy. And um, the package has been great. And in getting a new deal, I'm sure he's going to turn up again, um, unless he was just playing for the contract extension, which I certainly hope not. Um, but yeah, yeah I've got Essendon winning this one by, I'm going to go four goals. I think this game's going to be a lot closer than what a lot of people are thinking. Uh, the Giants are going to come out. Uh, I've said breathing fire a lot. <laughs> breathing brimstone? I don't know. They're going to come out with the Ferrari engine revving, uh, raring to go. And if the Bombers play the way they did in that first half against North Melbourne, against the Giants, the Giants will win by five goals because that first half was not good. It was not good. Uh, but that being said, it's not only a question of which Essendon team is going to show up, it's a question of which GWS team is going to show up. Is it going to be the Giants of the first half against Sydney or the second half against Sydney? That will go a long way to deciding who wins this game. The Giants are going to make this really competitive because they have to, but the Bombers are going to win by three goals. And for a week at least, cement themselves in the finals uh, before a couple of really tricky matchups against the Swans and the Dogs. If Essendon, if we don't beat the Giants, we don't deserve to play finals football this year, I reckon. That's my opinion anyways. Pretty cool. Um, now, uh, didn't mention this earlier, but we do try to get uh, each of us to say our uh, who we think is going to have the biggest win and which game we're most looking forward to. So, Eli, I'll ask you those two questions. Biggest winner by margin on the weekend, and which game are you most looking forward to and why? Yeah, look, it's it's going to be a tough one in terms of picking a blowout game because it realistically could be all nine, um, but it, it could very well be none of them. They could all be close games. Um, but, yeah, I think probably Carlton is the most likely, I think, of blowing blowing North out. Um, if they get a roll on, they're very hard to stop. Um, but I'm also erring on the side of uh, Sydney as well. I think they could be quite challenging to stop for Frio should they get a run on as well. But um, I think Carlton's probably the most likely blow win for mine. And the game I'm most looking forward to, I mean, bloody hell, just take your pick, really. Um, it's got to be Saturday night, Melbourne Bulldogs. Um, there's a bit of a, I wouldn't say a fizzle last time they, they played each other. Um, but the dogs certainly underperformed um, and I'm hoping they, they get back up and have another cracking game This is going to be a big call I'm sorry mum but I'm saying that Geelong beating Richmond is going to be the biggest margin of the weekend Bloody hell I hope you're right <laughs> um, Although I could and sorry Patty as well if you're listening to this episode um, although you're right I could see I could see Carlton um, tearing off the shreds, truthfully. Uh, the game I'm most looking forward to, yeah, potentially Melbourne Western Bulldogs because it's going to be close. However, if you want a close, high-scoring game, 
uh, based off of their clash earlier in the season, I'm going Hawthorne North, uh, Hawthorne North Melbourne, Hawthorne Adelaide. I think it's going to be a ripper of a contest. Uh, two teams with nothing left to lose for this year, uh, looking towards the future. A lot of young players, coaching controversy at Hawthorne. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome game of football. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing Justin Kaziski versus Justin Kaziski. No, nope, Ron Kaziski. Jacob. Thank you, Jacob. I knew it started with the game. <laughs> Jacob Kaziski versus, I was about to say, Justin Kaziski playing for Hawthorne. Jacob Kaziski playing for, uh, obviously, for the Hawks up against uh, Riley Thilthorpe, two youngsters on either end of the ground, it's going to be awesome. It could be like the Matthew Lloyd versus the Wayne Carey rivalry of like the next decade. I reckon it's going to be absolutely awesome. Going to be super high scoring. I wouldn't be surprised if both teams score 100 points, truthfully. And you know what? If that becomes the best game of that Saturday and specifically Saturday night, then the AFL are going to be absolutely stoked for that. Um, you wouldn't have thought so with um, the 16th and 17th on the ladder. Um, but you're right. Absolutely great. That could be fantastic. And I hope it is. Thank you, Eli, for joining me for this episode. Uh, best wishes for Saturday afternoon. Uh, Thank you. Good luck for the Lions. Um, yeah. Hope you enjoy the opening ceremony of the Tokyo uh, 2020 slash 2021 Olympics. If you are going to go and watch them. Of course. Should be fantastic. And uh, yeah, always a pleasure. Never a chore. Thanks for having me. It's been good to be back. Thank you, dear listener, for listening to this very uh, rambly episode on my behalf, on my behalf of the Through the Band podcast. My name is Catherine McLeod. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Join me next weekend with a co-host to dissect round 19 and all of the COVID implications of potential fixture movements and whatnot and state border closures and all the other talking points that come out of round 19 as we look towards the end of the season. Until then because it's the opening ceremony of Tokyo 2020. Sayonara.